Uh, I mentioned earlier, we do have visitors. This is Pastor Manuel and his beautiful family. Uh, Manuel is pastor of Encuentro, which is one of our sister churches. Um, it is, uh, they do have a, their, their uh, service in Spanish. And the start time is Sundays at 11. Okay, I was going to say 10, at 11. But for us, I'm going to tell you 1030 because we kind of run a little late. So just, <laughs> um, and, and hey, even if you don't speak or understand Spanish like me, you can show up because they, they actually have a wonderful ministry where someone, you get a little earpiece and someone's translating the message. My wife and I, you know, sometimes she wants to hear from someone besides her husband. So we've been over to visit a few times on Sunday mornings. And uh, yeah, if you want to want to go check them out, I encourage you to do that on Sunday mornings. Uh, and I'm sorry, uh, the church meets at Northwest Community, yeah. Northwest Community, corner of, I don't know, uh, Tezel and Gilbo. All right, cool. So thanks for being here tonight. So turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to pick up in verse 38. Uh, and as you're turning there, just by way of review, just to get us up to speed, because we are jumping in kind of right in the middle of, of a chapter. So um, we're walking through the life of David, and um, we are, we've been sort of walking towards really kind of building the anticipation for this great showdown of David and Goliath. So where we're going to pick up, if you might recall, the, uh, the army of Israel is on one mountain, and across on the other mountain, there are the Philistines. And there's a valley in between that separates two armies. And they, they were getting ready to just go at it. You know, the, again, remember, this is like ancient times. They don't have, you know, sniper rifles and cannons and airplanes. Like, this is hand-to-hand, brutal, bloody combat. So they're getting ready to charge down and just clash. But all of a sudden, a giant Philistine named Goliath steps forward, 10 foot tall. Tall as that ceiling. But not just that, but like incredibly athletic. The guy wears uh, a coat of armor just on his torso that weighs about 130 pounds. Plus he wears, uh, you know, uh, bronze shin guards and he carries a shield. He's got a shield bearer for whatever reason, not like a big dude like Goliath would need it, you know, that goes out in front of him. And so if you think about it, you know, he's going to fight the shepherd boy, David, and we will. This is our third week in chapter 70. We will get there tonight. Just the armor he wears probably outweighs David. Like, that's how lopsided this uh, fight appears to be. So, and, and the other thing I told you last week, like, he has a, a sword, but the, the word in Hebrew is kidon. It means it's, it's a rounded sword, so it's like a sickle. So it's really made for slicing. So this mammoth of a man who's agile enough, as big as he is, to fight in what's got to be close to 150 pounds of armor. And he, you know, he towers over and he can just like lop off, you know, whatever you want to imagine there. Like this dude is, is big and he is bad and he's, he steps forward and he says, hey, I got an idea. Instead of everyone coming down to fight, you send one man out to fight me. And whichever side loses, they'll become slaves to the victorious side. And so... Everyone in the army of Israel, they just kind of look at each other like, who's, who's uh, anyone going to go fight that big dude? And understandably, nobody takes him up on the offer. So for 40 days, twice a day, Goliath steps forward and issues the challenges. Anyone ready yet to come down and fight me? 
And the army of Israel, we talked about last week, for whatever reason, they get dressed in their armor every morning. They come out chanting their war cry. Goliath steps forward and says, okay, I'm ready. Send someone over. And then the army of Israel turns around. They go back to their camp. Forty consecutive days and nights, Goliath issues the challenge, and it goes unanswered. And back home on the farm, there's an old man named Jesse who has a little son named David. He's a shepherd boy. He's got older brothers who are in the army. So Jesse says, David, take some food to your brothers and bring back some token from the battlefield so I know that my boys are okay. So David goes off, and as he's there, he hears this Goliath, this mammoth monster of man, step forward and, and taunt the army of God. But instead of being afraid, he is incensed. He's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he's going to step forward and talk trash to us. We, we are the army of Yahweh. He cannot, he's not going to get away with this. I'll fight him. And so word gets back to Saul. Saul says, oh, well, send him, send him in. And little David walks in, and King Saul, like, he, he doesn't say so, but you almost get this picture like he just laughs. He's like, David, you, you cannot go fight this Philistine. You're, you're just a boy. He's been a mighty warrior from the time he was a boy. He's going to slaughter you. And David says, oh, but you don't understand. The God who saved me from the lion and from the bear when they came to steal one of my sheep, he will deliver me too from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. So Saul says, all right, I, I guess you're it. It's been six weeks. No one else has stepped forward. Go for it. That's where we pick up in verse 38. And I'm going to warn you, we're going to stop kind of just, you know, at every couple of verses. And then all of a sudden, we're just going to like run to the end. Okay? Verse 38. Then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with armor. And David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said, so I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. You see, Saul still has a problem. He's got someone who's willing to fight. But as we talked about last week, he still sees this from a human perspective. Did you notice that when, when we read last week when David said, the same God who delivered me from the hand of the, of the, the, from the paw of the lion and of the bear will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine? Saul never asked any questions like, seriously, like you chased after a lion to save a sheep? How did you do that? What weapon did you use to kill a bear and bring a sheep back? No, he doesn't ask those questions. He's seeing this. The Lord removed his, his spirit from Saul. So Saul still sees this from an earthly, human, you know, sort of practical perspective. And so he gives David his armor. Look, that big giant has armor on. You better put mine on and go down there and fight. But thankfully, David has the eyes of faith. Verse 40. And he, being David, took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Real quick, why five stones? 
It could be that David is very practical, right? Okay, in case my aim is just a little off today, I'm going to get four extras. Or if, you know, Goliath's a big, agile guy. If he ducks and moves, whatever, I, I got some extra weaponry in my bag. Or it could be this, and this is interesting. In 2 Samuel, we're told that Goliath had four sons. And so I sort of picture Goliath as he steps forward every day to issue this challenge. He has four behemoth sons behind him who are also ready to go to war. So that's what, it doesn't tell us, but that would be kind of my, my thinking. So at any rate, whatever the, the reason, David grabs five stones and he is prepared for battle. Verse 41, then the Philistine came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. You know, for every great fight, for every great showdown, there is a buildup. And part of that buildup is trash talk. Right? Mayweather and McGregor fought recently. Like that went beyond what's even acceptable for trash. That was just trash, just garbage. But, you know, like if you watch like, you know, professional wrestling or, or boxing, like what there's always this build, this great anticipation for three weeks now. We've been building up to this. Now, I talked last week about Tyson and Buster Douglas, like a, a David and Goliath battle that just shocked the world. Like, could you imagine being in the front row to see Buster Douglas pummel Mike Tyson for 10 rounds? Well, tonight we have like an even better. We got a front row seat to this epic clash of David and Goliath. And there is going to be some trash talk that happens. And it starts with Goliath. So let's see how he does. Verse 43. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And, you, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The, the Philistine also said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beast of the field. Now those are some pretty strong words. Like Goliath, he, he's not just a big brute. He's pretty good with his, with his mouth. He can, he can run his mouth. Although apparently he can't see very good and it's too bad for him because he thought David put sticks in his pouch. He didn't put sticks, he put stones. If they were sticks, might have been a different ending. But he got stones. And he says, I'm going to cut you up in pieces. And I'm going to feed you to the birds and to the beast. And I got to tell you, that's not just figurative talk. Remember, the dude carries what's like a sickle. He plans on chopping him up and feeding the shepherd boy to the animals. And he calls down curses on David by his gods. The idols that he worships. Dagon being the chief god of the Philistines. So he's not bad. But let's see if uh, David is any good. Then David said to the Philistines, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth 
that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. David upped the ante. Right? Goliath says, man, I'm going to chop you up and feed you to the wild animals. David says, I'm going to chop you up and I'm going to cut your head off. But not just you. That whole army that stands behind you will suffer the same fate. You know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, if one boy said to another one, man, I'm going to kick your butt. A common response back, I don't know if kids still say this, but a common response back would be, oh, yeah, you and what army? Like, you know, Dave, like, that's what Dave's like. You and that army that you brought are going to meet your demise today by the hands of the living God. We're going to chop you up in pieces and feed you. And by the way, I, I have to provide some context here because Goliath cursed David by his gods and David brings Yahweh into the conversation. Trust me. Goliath and the Philistines who can hear this conversation, they know the God of David. It is earlier in 1 Samuel, the Israelites and the Philistines, they're like constantly at war through the first half of the Old Testament. They're at war, and the Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant from Israel, and they run off with it. And they go to one of their own cities called Ashdod. And they put the Ark of the Covenant down in front of the, the statue of their god, Dagon. Like he, the ark is going to be sort of at the feet of Dagon, who's a, a half-man, half-fish god. And who knows what happens in the morning? Clint. Uh, the yes. They come in the next morning, and Dagon is face down in front of the ark. So they set him back up. Okay, everything's good. The next morning, they come in. Dagon is face down, head cut off in front of the ark. And so the Philistines realize, wow. Like the God of Israel is a powerful God that we do not want to mess with. So you know what they do? Apparently the people of Ashdod didn't really care for the people of Gath. Because instead of just sending the ark back to the Israelites, they sent it to Gath, Goliath's hometown. So they receive it, and the Lord wipes out a bunch of the men, slaughters them, kills them. And then the rest of the men get tumors all over their bodies. So they send on to the next town, and eventually they go, you know what? Like, it's just not good for us. Like, it's not good for our health for the future of our people, if we keep the Ark of the Covenant, we better send it back. And so they send it back. And so Yahweh and Dagon, hey, they have done battle before, and Yahweh came out victorious. So when David, when I say Upsiani, he brings back to memory what Goliath and everyone knows, that his God is mightier than their God. And that is enough to stop the trash talk. Goliath, he's not going to take any more of that. 
And so the first part of verse 48, then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David. So remember, this is valley's only 100 yards, length of a football field. Goliath had enough. He rises up 10 feet tall, just covered in armor, charges out to meet David. I don't know. It doesn't say this. I picture he's like screaming, Wah! and he's just trying. He's got, you know, the, the spear between his massive shoulder blades. He's got a sword in his hand. He's got a, a shield in his hand. And he's just charging at this little shepherd boy. And I think, like, I just picture the Philistines, like, behind him. They're just clambering. They're just banging their, their swords against their shields. Ah! Just this, Wah! It doesn't say that, but, like, Remember, this is the only chapter where the word champion is used. It's used to describe Goliath, literally the difference maker. If you're picking teams, you pick Goliath first, and it doesn't matter who gets picked after that, because Goliath's team always wins. They're not scared. They're excited. And Goliath, look, he's got some pent-up anger. 40 days and 40 nights, 80 times he has come forward to go, is anyone ready to fight me yet? Finally, the 81st time he says it, David comes out to fight. So I think they're like just amped up, adrenaline running, testosterone is all over the place. And then I look at the other side and I just picture the army of Israel going, oh no. Look at him. He's coming this way. Like I know David's up, but he's coming at us. He's got all that armor, a sword, a javelin, a spear. What's David got? He's got a pouch. And a couple of stones. Our future, our freedom, depends on this. And we'll see, David did exactly what I would have done. He ran. He just ran in the different direction than I would have run. Verse 48 <laughs> at the end. that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And now we're, gonna, we're just going to read to the finish. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the valley into the gates of Ekron. And the, flame, and the slain Philistines lay along the way to Sharam, even to Gath and Ekron. And the sons of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camps. Then David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his weapons in his tent. Now when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this young man? And Abner said, By your life, O king, I do not know. And the king said, You inquire whose son the youth is. So when David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the Philistine's head in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. So that is the battle of David and Goliath. So I just want to share 
a couple of things. I want to go back to, to him cutting off Goliath's head. And I just want to make uh, two points. One is, this, this is basically a repeat uh, with people. What happened in 1 Samuel chapter 5 that I told you about. Dagon, when faced with the, you know, the glory and the presence of God, ends up on his face with his head cut off. And here Goliath, when faced with David, who is fighting in the strength of the living God, ends up face down with his head cut off. He meets the same fate as the God he worshipped. And then we're told in verse 51 that David cut his head off, and then in verses 54 and 57, we're told that he's carrying Goliath's head in his hand. I can't even imagine how big his head must have been, but he's carrying this trophy with him. So if you go back to verse 51 and put brackets around, cut off his head. And then draw a little line out to your margin and then write C verse 18. Because verse 18 is where Jesse says, David, go take this food to your brothers and bring me back a token from the war. Some translations read news or assurance. Uh, ESV is the translation says token. Like Jesse says, I just want to know that my boys are okay, that they're alive, you know, on the battlefield. Bring me back something that lets me know they're safe. He had no idea that David would be coming down with the massive head of a slain giant. Now, back in North Carolina, when we were going to a church in the suburb of Raleigh, I was teaching a uh, singles class. I was probably 32 at the time and was having coffee with one of the guys in the class. He was probably my same age. And he, and he tells me about an instant where he had been out at a bar drinking and he challenged some guy to a fight. And this, and that, it just so happens this guy's name was David. And he was shorter than me, but he was a pretty stocky, you know, guy. And, um, but the guy he challenged, he said, was just this huge guy. And David told me that he got his butt kicked like really good and ended up like going to the hospital for a couple of days. Like he got beaten to a bloody pulp. And I said, okay, so David, like you have to tell me, so why did you challenge someone who you knew could just, you know, destroy you? And you know what he said? Because I figured if David could beat Goliath, I could beat that guy. Now, just so you don't go out to bars drinking and picking fights with guys the size of Goliath, let's talk about some, you know, some takeaways from this text. You know, I said earlier, God has a unique calling on your life. And life, even for unbelievers, is a challenge, right? We all face obstacles, challenges. I don't know what you might have going on in your life, but here's what I know. The more you pursue God's calling on your life 
And the more you pursue a life that will bring him glory, the more obstacles and challenges I think you're going to face. The enemy is going to step out and present himself to you. And so what I, what I want us to talk about is, um, like, how do we, what are just some, some principles for handling the, you know, following the calling and, and facing the obstacles that step in front of us? And here's the first one, man. Be ready at all times. Be ready at all times. If you go back to what David was doing, like, why was he even there? You know what he was doing? Delivering cheese. David was not in the army. If ancient Israel had like a career builder website and they listed all the jobs, like the, the best job to like the least desirable job, you know what the bottom two would be? Shepherd boy and cheese delivery boy. I'm pretty sure. But David was faithful in those jobs and so here he is delivering food to his, his brother and the commander. He's not going there for a fight. But he hears the enemy. He sees him step forward, and he's ready to do battle. Here's the second thing, man. Expect naysayers. Along the way, David, he's, man, I'll take this dude on. And he meets resistance from people that should be on his own side. And, and the same thing happens to us. And so we should expect people, when we want to do things that can only be done by the supernatural power of the living God. People who are close to us, it was his brother who spoke first. What are you doing here, you little runt? And people in authority, King Saul, David, you're just a boy. He's going he's gonna to wipe the floor with you, buddy. People will discourage you. I can only imagine, you know, college students, what some of your parents said when you said, you know, hey, mom, dad, I've been thinking about going to the Middle East or to East Asia this summer. You want to go where? You have to raise how much money? But more than listen to the voice of others, we got to listen to the voice of God. Third, we talked about some last week, but focus on the size of your God, not the size of your problem. Saul and the Israelites, they just saw Goliath for how big he was physically. David saw his God and realized how small and helpless Goliath truly was. And for run quickly into battle. It's amazing the difference that faith brings to a battle. Again, we've said it, 40 days, 40 nights, man. The Israelites, they're just, they are terrified. They are paralyzed in their fear. And you know what? The same thing happens to us when we don't run out and face our challenge. You know what happens? It's there every morning and every night. If you got something going on in your life right now, and I don't know what it, what it might be, a particular sin you're struggling with, an addiction, financial issues, marital issues, relate, whatever it is, here's the deal. If you're not dealing with it, when you put your head down that pillow tonight, it's going to be right there to kiss you goodnight. And when you get up tomorrow morning, it's going to be right there to greet you when you rise up out of bed. So when we face our problems, when we have problems, we, we need to run quickly into the battle. 
And here's the last thing I want to share with you. Be passionate for God's glory. You know, and it's okay for us to pray when we're dealing with something like to, just to pray that, you know, Lord, just, can you just relieve me of this situation or really, or who, you know, someone else. It's okay. But our first primary prayer should be, God, would you be glorified in this trial? That should be our primary prayer. You know, Paul asked three times for the thorn to be removed. It didn't happen. But God used it for his glory. I could go on and on and on with a list of ways to face challenges. But I'm going to stop there. But I'm not going to stop talking because here's the deal. If I just told you how to face challenges from this text, I would be doing a disservice to you. Because here's the deal. This narrative, it is about a real event, a real battle that happened a couple thousand years ago. But this story is it's just a small part of a much greater story, a much bigger, more beautiful, amazing, exciting story, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Follow along with me. Before David arrives, we see Goliath stepping forward. He is this enormous, unbeatable divider of armies. He is the difference maker. He is an evil, idolatrous, blasphemous enemy, and he has a legion behind him. Goliath is a representative of Satan and the Philistine army, his demons. And I mean that literally. He is a worshiper of Dagon and a multitude of other gods. That is the work of Satan himself. And they have led some Israelites astray into idol worship as well. And the people of God, they are afraid, they are weak, they are hopeless. They're slaves already to the evil one. I find it almost ironic that the, the consequence of losing is slavery because the Israelites, they're already enslaved. They can't come off the mountain because every time they, they try to come down, Goliath steps forward. They're paralyzed with fear. They are already slaves. So who will defeat the enemy who will deliver God's people and so here God is he raises up David a shepherd king from the town of Bethlehem to be the unlikely unexpected hero and you know what when David was talking to Saul you know what he said no sheep escaped from me no sheep was taken away from me he chased down lions and bears to save sheep, just as no sheep will be snatched away from Jesus. And think about David's situation. He is by his father's side, and, and out of an act of obedience, he is sent to the battlefield. Where he rejects the worldly armor right, of a military commander... And we see him when he gets there, he hears the conversation. And what does he do? He walks among God's people. Just as Jesus Christ, in obedience to his father, leaves his father's side and the glory that is there to enter into the world that he created. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And he did not conquer the enemy by military force, but by way of the cross. 
And just as David's method of slaying Goliath was unexpected and unorthodox, so was Jesus' victory over Satan. Who would have thought that the Messiah King would die on a cross and be raised three days later? And just as David destroyed Goliath and set the Israelites free and they got to go pillage and take part in victory, so do we. Jesus has already conquered Satan. We are already set free. And look at how the chapter closes. Saul says, whose son are you, young man? And he says, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. David gets to declare his sonship and exalt his father's name to close out this chapter. Just, of course, as Jesus claimed to be the son of God and exalted his father at the cross. And just as David came in and really took the place of the army, he wasn't in the army. He wasn't a soldier. But he takes their place. He takes our place on the cross. So that should be our, our primary takeaway. It's great to have tips on how to fight spiritual battles because we're engaged in those all the time. But I don't want us to lose sight of the bigger picture. The battle's already been won. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this encouraging magnificent, beautiful story of David slaying the giant. And God, my heart's desire for me and for each person here in the Alamo Stone family is that we would have the courage, the faith that it takes to fight our battles with the strength of your spirit. And God, my prayer is that we would seek in all circumstances to bring you glory. God, I pray that we would know and believe that we fight from the position of having already won the battle. God, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.